Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. First, I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep, healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to maryleegannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. Hi there, Mindful Leader, and welcome to episode 31 of the Still Space Podcast, Blame and Your Self-Compassion. The seasons are changing and it's such a special time and one that I hold dear because season changes remind us of how impermanent life is, of how things come and go, of how we have to 
accept that things change and prepare for that change. So in the spring, you're getting prepared for it might be your garden, it might be cleaning your home. And then in the summer, all of the work that you did in the spring helps to bring forth a beautiful harvest in your garden. Nice weather is there, so we're enjoying things outside. And then in the fall, we have to clean up the leaves and other things that have fallen, harvest any produce that we've grown, flowers that we've grown. And in the winter, it's cold. And that's where we nest and take care of ourselves, our self-care, etc. But if we are always pushing for a certain season to be permanent, there is unrest there. And that's because life isn't permanent. There's so much impermanency to life. The change of seasons reminds me personally to take stock in what season of my life or my thinking has come to an end? And what season am I committing to end to make room for new growth? We prune back rose bushes for the same reason. If you don't prune back a rose bush, you know the next season it's going to shoot out all of these long, lanky, very untidy roses that aren't very full and beautiful. Same with your shrubs. If you don't prune them back the next year. They're just sort of out of control and don't have a nice contour to them. Sometimes we need to do the same contouring with the behaviors and thoughts and feelings that don't serve us. Blame is one of them. If we can't process our own thoughts and feelings around our discomfort, we can start to externalize that discomfort Rather than turn in and face the uncomfortable feeling we don't want to feel. And when I say externalize, I mean push it out, project it on others. It's their fault. Start complaining. Start blaming. Start looking for reasons why I'm a victim. This shouldn't be happening to me. And there are probably reasons where that could be true, but staying in that mindset doesn't serve you to become independent and free of that thought that's holding you back. So we start to blame and complain. And this gives us a short-term addictive high. You know, it's like getting a rush. Oh, I just blamed that person for this. Yet the nagging feeling and the sneaky thoughts associated with it, the things that we really don't want to deal with, they prevail. Just decide no blame. What if you could give yourself a new lease on life? My intention this week is that I am not going to blame. This does not imply to deny or bury any situation or your discomfort around it. Things happen. Bad things happen. Painful things happen. We're not denying that. But we're going to own our perspective on how we want that to affect our life. Reconcile and own your thoughts. Those thoughts that are behind your feelings. This gives you the power to craft new thoughts that better serve you so you can have deeper relationships with other people and more intimacy in your own life. Instead of saying, she's the reason this isn't working, you might change that thought to, 
I'm disappointed this isn't working out and fear I might be judged as not good enough, so I'll focus my time on X. Insert what you're good at. Because I know I can do that. That's giving yourself power. Owning our own stuff is really hard. Being able to say, you know, this thing happened and it makes me uncomfortable, but I have been dragging it around too long and I'm ready to release it. And in order to do that, I realize I have to go into the dark corners and understand what I'm really running from here. And it might be fear of being left alone, being judged, being left out, someone being mean to us, which ultimately leads to us feeling abandoned. Whatever that feeling is, once we can see it, name it, that tames it. In that state where we can actually name what's bothering us, we can release it. Then most importantly, make a 100% commitment to never blame, period, no blame. And that sounds, maybe Pollyanna might sound too positive for you, but it's a practice. It's an intention. I see what blaming and complaining has done to my life, and I'm not going to do that because it doesn't serve me. Blame is easy, right? It's very easy to blame. It's a lot harder to go under the skin, under the surface, and understand what's behind it. Blame kills growth, intimacy, ownership of denied feelings and situations, clarity, freedom. All the research shows this. It keeps us a victim. And if there's anything less empowering. It's feeling like a victim, like these bad things have happened to me and I have no power to control the situation. Blame is a crutch for not facing difficult feelings that need to be owned and dealt with, not denied. And we can release what we own. Blaming our discomfort on someone else is easier than dealing with feelings that were born from assumptions that don't serve us. Yes, This bad thing happened, but it's an assumption that I have to attach my identity to it. I am a blank person. No, you are smart. You are capable. You are vibrant. You have great energy. You can love. You have interests. There's a lot of aspects of you that are not this identity that we tie ourselves to because we assume somebody else's situation, some other wounded person who pushed anger off on us. No, no assumptions associated with that. We're just going to look at the facts. This happened. I'm not going to identify with it. I have clients who have been laid off. That does not mean you're a failure. That does not mean that you're not valued. It does not mean that you're not capable. But when we identify with the situation of having lost a job, that leaves us in a space of being victimized by a situation and not allowing us to identify with everything that is wonderful that we are despite that situation. Blame mires us in resentment and hurt and ultimately anger, which is really difficult to move away from. The blame has to end for peace and acceptance to emerge. Not be ignored, 
for it comes out in other ways. You know that passive-aggressive person who leaves you out or gives you dismissive looks or doesn't include you on a meeting where you know that you would be valued or doesn't return your call. All of that passive-aggressive nonsensical behavior is a result of somebody thinking an assumption, blaming for something that doesn't deserve to be blamed and projecting that off on you and other people. You don't have to take it. Allow them to do their blaming. Allow them to do their complaining. You don't have to own it. You don't even have to defend against it. Let them have their silliness all to themselves. But if the blame is coming from you, reconcile it so that you can end it. Understand, go deep down, and where did this come from? When did it start? How is it showing up regularly in my life? Is this serving me? That self-awareness will help you then be able to self-regulate when something triggers you into wanting to blame. Oh, yep, I could blame in this situation, but I'm going to take a deep breath Stand in the still space, exhale, and know that I'm a lot more than a blamer or a complainer. Maybe I can find strategy here. Maybe I can offer something productive here. Maybe I can just be silent because that's the best I can do right now and that's enough. When we're blaming, when we're complaining, shame follows shame is a killer of career, relationships, and happiness. We've talked about this a lot on this podcast. So in order to keep ourselves free of shame that might be being thrown our way, or we may have an inclination, a tendency to move into the shame corner, we need self-care and compassion practices. And I used to think self-care was my bubble bath or reading my self-help books after a crisis moment. While these provided a breath of fresh air, they weren't really helping me to deal with raw emotions in the moment. Do you see self-care as aftercare? Do you wait until the letdown, the crisis, or doubt sets in and then try to play catch-up? to snap you out of feeling inadequate? We do this sometimes, sure. Do you think there is something wrong with you because this pattern keeps happening to you? There are better self-care practices, and let's talk a little bit about those. Because you deserve better, and only you can give yourself that. Revisit your mindful daily practices. It's really important that you understand What practices help keep you grounded? Is it reading a passage from an inspirational book every morning? Is it taking a mindful walk where you stay in the moment and notice the weight of your feet with every step that you take, looking people in the eye that you pass, wondering what they're thinking, what they were doing today, just staying in the moment with everything that you're doing. It could be a craft. It could be cooking dinner. You're staying present, noticing your breathing. It could be just deep breathing. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in. I smile on breathing out. These practices of staying in the moment 
help us with our self-regulation and self-acceptance. It's freeing to be able to see hurt coming. Slow down and be still. It's freeing to be able to see a threat coming and slow down and be still. Still in that still space where you can notice that your imagination is the only thing that's in the way because an imminent threat, yes, if a bear is going to attack you, that's a real threat. But most of the threats that we feel are fast forwarding our minds into some sort of doom and gloom ending that isn't usually likely to occur. But even if it were, when we can be more present, we can anticipate from a perspective of strategy and work on it. Understand that things come and go. Emotions come and go. The important thing is to accept them all. Not at all of them. Not. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see you there, fear. I see you there, ambivalence. I see you there, feeling threatened. Yes, I feel joy here. Yes, I notice I'm feeling happy here. I notice I'm feeling fulfilled here. Nod at all of them. Embrace them all. Don't turn away in fear. Then you can choose when you nod and bring them all in closer and accept them all. You can choose to do with them what you want versus being controlled by them. Who is in charge? The thinker or the thought? The thinker is in charge, but that's intentional and purposeful. Fear will consume you to the point of convincing you that you don't want to feel it. Of course, right? It's just your ego trying to keep you safe. Yet it does nothing but grow. As a matter of fact, fear will eventually convince you to start judging yourself for not being able to turn down its volume. Oh, I wish I could stop doing this. Why do I keep feeling this way? Why can't I stop this? That's more judgment, less mindfulness. Versus stepping back to say, yep, I'm feeling insert emotion, nervous, afraid, anxious, shame, judgment, and getting curious about it. You might ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Then you can unpack it and realize it's really nothing but your imagination running its course. This is self-compassion. This is self-care. And yes, a bubble bath and a nice walk with your dog are too. But this introspective look at what's going on with you is the one that's going to give you power. Either you choose what to do with fear or your ego will take over because it's a survivor and its sole role is to keep you safe by making you risk averse. And we don't adopt mindful daily practices just for the moment we do them. We meditate, pray, read daily inspirations or whatever practices that you have, taking mindful walks. We do this because this is where we notice our surroundings, not ruminate past situations because these routines slow our mind so that we can be still in even the most stressful circumstances. So why you might feel silly taking a mindful walk and noticing the weight of your legs and feet with every step, this is to make you more aware 
of when things come up that bother you so that they don't trigger you into some fight or flight response. You're much more self-aware. You're noticing your emotions in the moment because you're practicing doing so in non-crisis moments. A still mind creates a space to be more self-aware, more self-aware of our thoughts and our actions that follow those feelings that we don't want to feel. This is the space of self-care and compassion. And when you have compassion for yourself, you will grow compassion for others and vice versa. Compassion is natural. You don't have to force it. Just open to the difficulty, the struggle, the stress, the impact of events on you, the sorrow and strain of a situation. You can open this for yourself and for others. Open your heart, let yourself be moved, and let compassion flow through you. And you might be thinking, I don't have compassion for anybody. I don't have time for that. I don't even have compassion for myself. And this might be the case, but we adjust that by being able to admit it and say, I'm working on this and I'm doing this by being open and realizing that I deserve self-care, that I have to make time for myself for my self-care, for my self-compassion, to do it with intention and purposefulness. Start with your body. It gets you out of the confusion in your head. Feel what compassion is like in your body, in your chest, in your throat, in your neck, in your face. Sense the way feeling kindly towards yourself or others softens your thoughts, gentles your reaction. Know what's going on so you can find your way back to this feeling. When you have compassion for yourself, you can feel compassion for others. And when you accept yourself, the world will accept you too. Moments of compassion come in the flow of life. Maybe a friend tells you about a loss, or you can see the hurt behind someone's angry face. A hungry child looks out at you from the pages of a magazine. A friend tells you of their grief at the loss of their loved one. If you can't manage how that may at first make you feel uncomfortable, how you'd rather skim over it and not have to feel that vulnerability, you will not have a genuine feeling for compassion. You will not have compassion for others, nor will you have it for yourself. You will turn away in discomfort. This is why self-compassion and external compassion grow in unison. If you can be still in the still space with the discomfort, for a few moments and allow it to be there. Just allow it to be there. Don't need to fix anything. Just be there. Hold the space for it. You can unpack it. Hey, this is just me feeling uncomfortable. They must feel terribly uncomfortable too. I work in a hospital and I see externalization of feelings every day. As the president of a hospital foundation, my sole role and everybody in my office is to help people in crisis. And they may not be able to pay for their 
walker or their transportation to chemotherapy or radiation, and we are their last resort, and it's an honor to be there. I also see a lot of people suffering with family members who need help that can't get the help. And over the years, I've seen some very strong suffering around situations that people can't control. Death is one of them. Serious illness is another one. Changes in lifestyle is one. And categorically, when we can find a moment to understand that life is not permanent, nobody guaranteed us that we would be healthy for 90 years, that we would live 90 years. There's no guarantees in life. Nothing is permanent. This is why changes in seasons remind us of this. When we can be in the still space with the impermanency of any situation, having a new relationship, finding a new relationship, having a new job, getting a new job, showing up well on an interview, not doing our best and then not beating ourselves up for that, growing with the experiences of life, when we can roll with the impermanence of life, then we have the compassion to say to ourselves, oh yeah, this is just life running its course. Here are a few calming and connecting techniques that I work heavily with with my clients, and I think that you'll find that they'll bring value to you too. Number one, relax and tune into your body. Understand where anxiety, tension, disappointment, resentment, where those things are showing up in your body. Is it in your temple area? Is it the connection of your neck to your shoulders? Is it in your back, your lower back? Is it in your belly? In through the chest? And what happens to you? Does your heart race? Do you feel like there's just chaos in front of your eyes? Is it a tension that makes you anxious and shake, understand where this is showing up in your body. Because when you can locate that, then you can focus your mind into that area, take a deep breath, and release. Breathing in, I am healthy. Breathing out, anything that doesn't belong here today. Number two, remember the feeling of being with someone who cares about you. And that could be your pet. It could be a previous experience with someone who has passed away. It could be a loved one that you see regularly. It could be someone that you don't see regularly. But remember that feeling of being appreciated by someone and know that the universe has your back and that humanity collectively feels that same way about you, that the universe is conspiring for things to go well for you. Remember the feeling of when things went well, of when you felt cared for and loved. Number three, Bring to mind someone it is easy to feel compassion for. 
It might be somebody you know. It might be somebody you don't know. It might be a child that you know of. It might be a pet in an animal shelter. Bring to mind someone it is easy to feel compassion for and allow yourself to sit with the feeling of showing them, demonstrating to them and yourself compassion. What would you say to that person? Would you hug them? Would you draw them in? Would you invite them over? That's compassion. What would that be like for you? What if that person were yourself? What if you were to just give yourself a big hug? Invite yourself in for a special afternoon where maybe you make a certain something that you love to do. Might be a meal, it might be a craft, it might be woodworking, whatever it is. That compassion that you feel for somebody else, what if that person were you? And number four, put your compassion into words, softly heard in the back of your mind, such as, may you not suffer. May this hard time pass. May things be right for you. May you be well. And number five, expand your circle of compassion to include others. Consider a friend, someone who has been kind to you, a neutral person, a difficult person, a challenge, certainly, and yourself, sometimes the hardest person of all. May you not suffer. May this hard time pass. May things be all right for you. May you be well. And number six, go further. Extend the intention of compassion to all the beings in your family, your neighborhood, city, state, county, the world. All beings, known or unknown, liked or disliked, humans, animals, plants, even microbes being great or small, in the air, on the ground, underwater, including all, omitting none. May you not suffer. May this hard time pass. May things be all right for you. May you be well. And number seven, go through your day open to compassion from time to time for people you don't know, someone in a deli, a stranger on a bus, crowds moving down the sidewalk. The same exercise. May they be well. Number eight, the last one, let compassion settle. Let it settle into the background of your mind and body. 
as what you come from, woven into your gaze, into your words, into your actions. It's part of your being. It's part of the very fiber of your existence. May I and everybody else be well. And in this state, there is no room for blame. There is no room for complaining. Because may we all be well. And wisdom emerges when we don't have to tack on all of the behaviors that we do, all of the actions that we take, when we don't want to feel the things that make us uncomfortable. We honor those feelings. We invite them in. And we wish well to ourselves and others. This mindset of loving kindness, that's what this is, loving kindness. May we all be well softens our hearts and makes us more connected to ourselves and others. And I'm wishing you that mindful connectedness today. I'm glad you were with me today. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.